the Litecoin Ordinal dev discord, helping out and finding where, you know, emblem integrations are, but also kind of watching the chaos from behind the scenes. Oh my God, dude. It's, it's quite, quite crazy. Adam, what, what are you thinking? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I did talk to those guys last night and a lot of them are Litecoin builders and they're just trying to kind of grow Litecoin. I think like a lot of Bitcoiners, this was not even on their radar. A swarm of NFT people being interested in Litecoin, that would have never occurred to them. Tried to give them a little bit of insight as to how they could maybe leverage the attention to bring more attention to actually the work that they're trying to do on Litecoin. And I think that it's a decent strategy, but you have to understand the NFT people and what they're trying to do. And so trying to meet them, those collectors where they are and actually provide value for those people. Woo, buddy, man, what a week it has been. I think I have finally figured out what it's like to work at a crypto startup, man. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh my God. <laughs> Adam, how are you feeling, man? Good morning. I feel amazing, man. What a time to be alive, bro. This is what it's all about, man. It's creating interesting stuff during interesting times. And this is it, man. Amazing. Yeah, we have made it. Good morning, guys. Leo, GM, GM, how are you doing this morning? GM, yeah, I was just going to say, like, if you guys are feeling stressed during the bear market, <laughs> not just the bull market, guys, I mean, you're going to be in for a treat, I think. Uh <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, dude. Yeah, I'm excited once we get to the the emblem update part. There's uh so much happening behind the scenes. It's uh it's incredible. Uh Eth Horde, good morning, brother. Uh, I promise this week we're getting to the collecting segment. Sorry we uh missed that last time. We went two and a half Wait, hours. You guys didn't get to the collecting statement last time. We were recording for two and a half hours. I was pooped. I don't want to I don't want to do show anymore. <laughs> good morning, Ethord. Hey, oh, all good. You know, it, it worked out perfectly because now I got something on deck. Didn't have to do research this week uh, on vacation in glorious Cancun and, and having a, the time of my life. So it's it's great. And uh, yeah, good morning, good afternoon to everyone. Uh, I am well impressed with everything that Jake and Adam have been having to deal with for the last couple of weeks, but it's exciting. And I haven't been able to catch up with all of it, but uh, it just, as we know, crypto moves, uh, you know, at the speed of light. So, so much is happening. Yeah, there's a lot. I thought we were going to be able to, to finally have a show not on ordinals, but you know what? I'm leading with it this time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be a little bit lighter this time. Uh, there is a new ordinal uh, protocol on Litecoin. Uh, the Litecoin Punks community uh, has formed, uh, and that community is actually uh, kind of spearheading the whole movement. I think we kind of saw this with with Bitcoin ordinals, is you had kind of the rare Pepe guys were kind of like one of the first real communities to really come in and full support and start building it. Uh, so we've been in, uh, I'm now in like the, the Litecoin ordinal dev discord uh helping out and finding where you know emblem integrations are but also kind of watching the chaos from behind the scenes and oh my god dude it's uh it's it's quite quite crazy adam what, what are you thinking uh, you know it's funny I, I did talk to those guys like last night and um you know a lot of them are litecoin builders and they're just trying to kind of grow litecoin like and for a lot of them they had no idea i think like a lot of bitcoiners this was not even on their radar like the, the, a swarm of NFT people being interested in Litecoin that would have never occurred to them. Right. And so, you know, I tried to give them a little bit of like uh, insight as to how they could maybe leverage the attention uh, to bring more attention to actually the work that they're trying to do 
on like Litecoin. And I think that it's a decent strategy, but, but, but you have to understand the NFT people and what they're trying to do, right? And so trying to meet them, those collectors where they are and actually provide value for those people. Uh, it's a challenge because most most of these guys have never done anything like this, right? And so it's uh, it's exciting time for them, right? Uh, all the interest and eyeballs, and I, I'm you know I'm ho- hopeful we can help them to you know launch something or or not launch it, but but have something where collectors can feel taken care of, um, and maybe at the same time help bring some awareness to to kind of the work they're trying to do. Yeah. So actually, you know, it's kind of interesting. I want to hear this story because we are part of the historical NFT community. We've been down this road so many times. Adam actually pointed out a a fraudulent actor who was uh, masquerading as the ETH rocks, which I believe was like from 100 to 199. Take us through that story because all I know is I got added to the discord and then all of a sudden it was deleted. And I saw that you had like put an SOS out. Yeah. What it was, was some guy DM me. And was like, hey, I think there might be a scam going on here. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I, I don't think these guys actually own these rocks. So the rocks, are, I believe, are there. Um, because you can, you can check the, the transactions. The rocks are there. And so I went in the Discord. And I said, hey, guys, you know, not to FUD. And I have no idea. I hope you guys own these rocks. Right? And we're here to support them or whatever. But... You know, a simple, simply, and I just picked one. I said, you know, like one number 109 here. If you guys could just transfer this to a new wallet, it can be your own wallet, just transfer it just to kind of alleviate, you know, any sort of question that you guys actually own these. And, you know, and we can all move forward because people, I'm getting DMs. And, uh, and a bunch of people said, yeah, yeah, just do that, do that, do that. And then the next thing I know, like, I'm out of the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, the Discord. I, I've never been kicked out of a Discord before. I didn't even know. Do you get, like, a notification? No, the Discord just disappears. And um, and so then I made that tweet. And sure enough, then they then those guys deleted not only the Discord, but deleted their Twitter as well that was going along with it. So, yeah, these guys were pure scammers um, trying to sell these, you know, ETH, you know, Litecoin, Ether rocks, uh, or whatever. So be careful out there. It's kind of worse than that, Adam, because like I saw this all like 24 hours later, and I realized I was the member of this like kitty cat Discord. (laughs) (laughs) They just pivoted all their users to this like cat auction. No, really? Wow. Yeah, dude. The disc. I left it, so I don't know what's going on now. Maybe they're onto dogs, but yeah, (laughs) selling cat pictures. Oh boy, Dogfather, uh, good morning to you. I know you've been covering uh, Litecoin ordinals and Bitcoin ordinals. Uh, tell us what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, man, GM, GM. So I was also live uh, with Adam in the Discord. So uh, two or three people were raising these concerns and also DMing me. And then they were starting to ask the same questions like Adam a bit before we were kicked out. And then we were asking, and then also Adam was kicked out. And I'm also seeing that this this Discord is still there, just recycled, right? So these these guys really they 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 know no mercy, right? They just take whatever kind of inscription, and then I mean, really selling the stuff for. I think the first kitty was going for around one thousand bucks. I mean, it's really heartbreaking. The people are just buying and never give. I mean without any return right so that that's really crazy and you can you can tweet about that and everything but they always find someone who's greedy enough and unexperienced enough to just send money and hope for something in return it's really it's really bad and um, in in general i think this litecoin ordinals is is pretty interesting because it's, it's it's teaching us many things 
so that this this ordinal movement is is so strong that this developer was just doing that for like a, a small bounty of two thousand uh, bucks. He was he was creating this and forking the wallet and really quickly uh, as a side project. And now Litecoin is also having these these type of you know inscriptions, <clears throat> which is pretty insane. And now people talk about Dogecoin being next. And um, yeah, maybe we talk about that later because I think that that warrants some more more attention. That's, that's I hear a lot of people who are very <coughs> skeptical of the the Dogecoin inscriptions, but I'm sure somebody will figure out some way to circumvent that and uh, get through it. Talking about specifically just Litecoin ordinals, uh, for those who don't know, there's one interesting component to Litecoin that a lot of people don't realize is this like uh, this uh, update of Mimblewimble, which is for which is supposed to come to Bitcoin at some point in time, which is just private transactions. So if this does get rolled out uh, properly, then you will be able to kind of obfuscate the transaction of sending the like of, I think it's of the inscription. So you'll be able to hide who's the one who's inscribing. Uh, that's much farther down the road. I might've got that a little bit wrong, but that's uh, the cool component to it. I remember when the, when this first happened. So just as like a disclaimer, Adam and I are the OG role of the Litecoin punks because we were one of the first fifty people to enter the Discord. Uh, so just want to note that at, when this was all happening and jumped in there and saw people inscribing, man, I didn't know what was going on, and uh, I had to try to hit up a few people to try to get some some low inscriptions in there because uh, I really wanted to be a part of this. It mostly because. Adam and I missed the whole Bitcoin ordinal thing because we were working for Vault at the time, trying to make sure that the ship doesn't burn down. So I missed the whole fun and the whole frenzy of, yeah. of Bitcoin ordinals. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to, it was easy to miss, although we knew about it. It was like a, it was like a freight train coming and I was trying to get prepared, but <laughs> failed, man. My technical skills, I, sh I should have gone back to coding school a couple of years ago. It would have been good, but, um, you know, same thing with Litecoin, you know, down, trying to download the note. I was like, I'll just forget it, McBride. Just let it go, man. <laughs> I let it go. Um, but it is interesting. You get this kind of, and I'd love to hear Leo's take on it, but you get this kind of, I, I guess it's just human nature. You 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 see something that works and is and people like obviously Bitcoin ordinals tick so many boxes. Principally being that it's on Bitcoin, right? And then these other chains and forks or whatever can are like, well, we can do that too. And so you get kind of these second best solutions, which are you know less expensive, bigger blocks, all these kind of like positive things from uh, like reason why people might use them. And I'd love to hear Do Dogfather's. Um, kind of theory on this too but so you get in the same way that you got doge party right because it's a less expensive kind of option um you know you're getting the light coins and you know potentially dogecoin down the road um you know and these ordinal inscriptions on there and people get as excited get excited not as excited as the bitcoin ordinals right but a, a small community can grow around them so i'm interested to hear what other guys think on on that kind of yeah, Leo, Leo, tell us what, what your thoughts are. And then I know Dogfather, I want to hear some stats afterwards because I know you've done multiple threads on this. You might have to provide some, some more analytical insight. Yeah, so, I mean, here's the deal. From a pure financial market perspective, like this is kind of like, you know, you know, like you, you can go buy a rare Pepe and then you can also buy like a 2019 historical NFT on Ethereum. And I think they're both very valid 
uh, things to collect. Okay. So again, we've talked about this like bell curve or just this sort of like curve of value. Like we like to think in these terms of like these black and white, like cutoffs. The reality is there's lots of gray in these markets. So to me, it's like, you know, Bitcoin's a 50 times larger chain than Litecoin. So probably it's going to have like 50 times more value in its ordinals. It's just a very like obvious rough uh, mental model you could have. Um, but Litecoin is still like a multi-billion dollar blockchain and it can have some interesting advantages like lower fees. Like it's obviously not Bitcoin. So like it doesn't have that brand and that like security aspect going for it. Obviously a 51% attack on Litecoin would be significantly easier to do. That said, like for certain use cases, that's totally fine. Like people might not care um, for certain use cases. So to me, this is just like very natural. And, you know, I don't want to see people like complaining that, oh, this is like, you know, you shouldn't be collecting on Litecoin. It's not the real one, this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Like the reality is this is going to spread everywhere and it's yeah. going to be a lot smaller, but it's like a lot smaller of a multi hundred million dollar thing is still millions of dollars potentially. So of yeah. course people are going to be attracted to that. And just like it's completely valid to collect historical NFTs from 2019, right? So yeah, I mean, my, my take on this is like, guys, collect where you want to collect. Um, these things do follow a bell curve. So if things start to get out of whack, we're like, the Litecoin market is like, you know, like 10% the size of the Bitcoin ordinals market. I'd be like, yeah, maybe that's like, that ratio is a little out of whack, but <laughs> kind of bell curve, like I see no reason why you wouldn't want to value the first 100 or first 1,000 like Litecoin ordinals. That totally makes sense. I totally get it. Let the collectors collect what they want, man. How uh, dare you? No have, way. You only get to collect what I say. Everything else is a scam. Have have always, always uh, believed in that, man. Everyone has a different type of criteria um, when it comes to ascribing value to different kinds of things. Collectors are weird, man. That's the one thing I've learned. Everyone everyone comes and flocks different types of assets and different types of ideals. So it's really tough to know. Uh, Dogfather, uh, tell it, give us some analytics. Tell us. Even what's going on in the sub 1,000 inscriptions? What, what are you seeing down there that might be uh, valuable? Yeah, I mean, um, on, on, on the Litecoin ordinals, um, they, have, they have some pretty funky stuff. So, um, I mean, no, no financial advice, obviously, but um, I, I would, I would uh, really have a look at that. And uh, obviously, it's way cheaper to have an entry, right? So some, some projects are now selling, you know, for example, this, uh, Litecoin punks, which are not the first punks, you know, you have to be a bit careful. They're not the first ones. Um, but I mean, we, they talk about something like a starting bit of 2.5 Litecoin, which is something like 250 bucks, which is for a sub 1k nice, right? I mean, that, that's like, what, what do you get in terms of Bitcoin ordinals in that price range? It's, it's just we, uh, we later, right? Um, so, and then you can discuss whether that is, you know, like, <clears throat> the, the most interesting stuff. So let me go through some things. So I think the most developed community right now are the Litecoin punks, uh, Adam and Jake were talking about. So they are inscribed in the range between 642 to 798. So I was part in a, in a quick um, live demonstration that they actually hold these punks in their wallets. Not saying that they actually send them to you once you give them the money, right? It's all <laughs> But at least, you know, it's in their wallet. So I checked that. Um, then there are uh, Litecoin glitch ordinals. So Swoody is having a project with uh, 50 different Litecoin logos. They're inscribed in the range between 668 to 865. 
Then we have these Litecoin rocks where these scammers wanted to do something. They were really inscribed between 101 and 200. So I don't know how they did that. Maybe just well-coded. And they are like four-second uh, animated MP4 clips on our beloved rocks. We will see who's actually owning those. So, so they have a very low inscription numbers. They are rocks. I think they're interesting. Then there are some peppies where some people say they are like stolen artwork. So let's see uh, what that's. And then there are some, some other peppy series. So it's, it's really very early. And for some of these collections, you not even know who is doing that. But yep. they will come out of the dark for sure. So, um, and there are some, some other punks. I don't know who is doing that. And they start at 458 inscriptions. So check that out. And then there are some, some other cooler things like uh, something where you always have some M in some different version. I don't know whether that's AI or so. So there's some some cool stuff out there, not just, you know, copycats or what whatnot. So check that out. I think they have interesting price entries for, you know, something like Tezos. To me, that's like Tezos or Polygon compared yep. to uh, Conordinus. Yeah. I'm really glad to hear that some people clearly were listening to our NFT Now show on Monday, guys, about um, ripping off, uh, you know, struggling artists. That's, I'm just glad, I'm just glad to hear people are paying attention. <laughs> well, here, I'm going to drop some alpha that I have not, uh, said publicly yet. I own two collections in the sub 1000s. So, uh, you, you can, uh, <laughs> would you say Otto? <laughs> I said, look at you, Mr. Moneybags over here. Oh man, dude, I had to, I had to, man, I, it was a frenzy. I was, I was DMing multiple people trying to be like, can you please inscribe some things for me? <laughs> So, uh, so this actually leads into um, me being incentivized to kind of like look around. And so this morning, actually, before uh, this conversation, uh, me and Swooty, we went through and we successfully round tripped um, a vault or a Litecoin ordinal, which I'm going to pull up here on uh, the screen for those that are watching. Um, like, let me see it here in one second. So we took this, uh, this, uh, foiled again meme and, uh, we sent it from his little command center, um, which basically you have to store the ordinal similar to how you had to do the Bitcoin ordinals in the beginning. You have to download a Litecoin full node. Um, and then you have to sync it to the forked ord wallet, which is what, which is just a forked version of what Casey built. We sent the ordinal to Emblem Vault, and then we managed to import it back into Ord Wallet. And then from that imported wallet, we sent it to the starting wallet. So there was three successful transfers. So you can actually bring it to Emblem Vault. So uh, we're going to start experimenting with that. And uh, we're going to put a write-up uh, out hopefully this week. It's much more complicated, I have to say. I watched Swooty do it. Um, through Discord. Yeah. We had just, to like hack NSA to get this thing done, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> no, kid, no kidding, dude. Well, I literally watched him. We toyed around with this for literally like an hour and a half this morning trying to figure it out to see if it was even possible. And it's definitely possible. It's just that the, right now there's no other wallet support out there. I mean, Sparrow could integrate it. I saw Ordinal Wallet said they were looking into it. Uh, Lightverse, which is actually the L2 on top of Litecoin that you can actually sell NFTs on. So they're... So ordinals are not the first NFTs. I guess maybe on chain it is. They're also looking into it. So it seems like some of the infrastructure plays 
are looking around to figure it out. But uh, I think we're going to start dabbling with with the Emblem Vault stuff because we've now proved uh, that you can safely transfer it back and forth uh, with a little bit of dev expertise. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That's a, an understatement. Uh, Ethward's got his hand up. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, bro? Yeah, just one quick thing to add to. I, I don't think we could, I could come up with a better time for this to happen with Litecoin too. Um, as kind of the panel cynic, you know, I'm always trying to look on the other side of things, and I just, I don't know how Litecoin keeps surviving. Charlie Lee ditched it so long ago, and it doesn't really add. And then Dogecoin forked it, and it's obviously already a fork of Bitcoin. So like, what is it really doing? What's its utility? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, of course, if you look at like the yearly chart it's up pretty much 50% against both Bitcoin and ETH uh, during this, this bear market. So clearly, you know, ETH or wrong again. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been doing very well for the last year in comparison, obviously not to US dollar. Um, and then this comes out and, you know, while it's having a little resurgence, um, it's adding that much more value, that much more kind of, uh, just a, a new stamp to it, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I do want to uh, stay on the ordinal stuff, but kind of spread into some some other happenings, and then we can migrate kind of into the Bitcoin stuff. Uh, brand new, there's actually uh, an ordinal show, which Leonidas is uh, co-hosting with Trevor, and I believe there's another guest. So if you guys want to stay consistent with that, then make sure that you follow Leonidas. Uh, I know one of the big things that they were covering was that Luxor Mining uh, officially acquired Ordinal Hub, the premier platform for building tools of buy, sell, and track Bitcoin-based NFTs. So we now have a mining pool, which is reaching out and acquiring, I believe it's Ordinal Analytics. Uh, there is There was a big press conference. I think this is a very fascinating acquisition, uh, maybe it's an aqua hire. I don't really know to the details. Uh, so I was gonna pivot over to, to Leonidas and ask him uh, some of the de more specific details. I don't know if you were able to interview uh, the founder. I forget what his name is. Oh, I mean, I could ask Nick right now. I actually haven't talked to him about it, but yeah, I mean, I think the idea is pretty simple. You know, you're a miner of Bitcoin. You know, your, your revenue stream is basically 100% uh, getting these rewards from mining blocks. And ordinals present a second potential revenue stream. So Nick uh, has been basically doing all of these custom solutions for people who have very like unique requests and what they want to inscribe. So if you want to go above 400 kilobytes, you're going to need to go like talk to a miner. And he has basically created a system where he's got a couple of uh, blocks a day that they win and he is inscribing these four megas. So um, yeah, I don't know. Like he's basically finding an additional revenue stream. And I'm sure this is just basically him doubling down on what's been working really well. And yeah, basically just kind of, uh, yeah, trying to, you know, buy up a bit of the ecosystem and establish themselves as one of the names in the space. Yeah, it is pretty smart. I mean, they're going to create, I guess, some sort of like white glove service where you're just like, I mean, if you're the top, like the top, what's it, the taproot wizards there that are doing all their wizards <clears throat> in four megabytes, like you're going to have to go to somebody to really get that inscribed. And I believe they paid hefty penny. I believe it was like close to like 10 grand or something like to fill those up, something, something crazy like that. Yeah. So Jake, to give an example here yesterday, there was a block, okay. And the miner only got $800 in fees on that block. 
And then there was also a block yesterday. And that was just like a normal block, mostly Bitcoin transactions and some ordinals. And then there was also a block, which was Nick inscribing for someone, which had $18,000 in fees. Okay. And then I think, I believe Nick like gets paid for his services on top of that. Luxor gets paid for on top of that for their services. You can very quickly see how this is like very interesting to miners. Um, so yeah. And right now Luxor is definitely the number one uh, miner in this space. And I'll be interested to see if like any other miners kind of see what's going on here and uh, try to dabble a little bit as well. Yep, Very here right, right on their website from the press release, it says, uh, in addition to its website, Ornal Hub is also a Discord server, which already features notable projects like Punks on Bitcoin, Taproot Wizards, Ord Rocks, Ornal Loops, D Gods, and Bitcoin Shrooms, which have already seen an excess price of 10 Bitcoin. So they're, yeah, they're reaching out to the, the ETH NFT communities. I know Bitcoin Shrooms was like the first ever inscribed collection, which I believe is in auction right now. So a lot of, Crazy stuff going on. Uh, that auction was canceled, actually. Oh, like, was? About an hour ago. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I think those are going to go for big, big money. Uh, Why'd they cancel it? Any word? Uh, it wasn't super clear. It honestly wasn't incredibly clear. I think I think it's best for, yeah, Shroom Toshi to just kind of explain. Uh, he put out a tweet. <laughs> didn't, didn't give any information. So, <laughs> yeah, they, I'm sure they had a good reason. Oh, Toshi. <laughs> You got, dude, you got, you gotta, you gotta, gotta love this. <laughs> so awesome, dude. <laughs> Speaking of, of ordinals and emblem vault, I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was somebody who took a Satoshi and fractionalized it into, I believe a hundred fractions. So they took, <laughs> they took the smallest account of a Bitcoin, the smallest unit and made it even smaller. Like the kind of, ingenuity and innovation or just just pure lunacy i don't know if this guy's just absolutely crazy uh, i'm gonna pull up the the i'll put the tweet on the the video here in a second the the gentleman actually had reached out to me prior he also reached out to uh, to d's uh who is also like a big nft influencer uh to get both of our opinions on how to do it because d's runs uh the fractionalized website or he's like a investor or something and this guy, actually, this gentleman, uh, for his project, I think it's 99 Ordinal. I forget what the what the project is. I'm going to pull it up. He, he took one of them and fractionalized it. And he's doing it more on the guise of experimentation and to just see what happens and to toy around with it. Then I think he's motivated by profit. Uh, as we were discussing privately, the idea was like, I have no idea if this is going to work or not, but I just want to see if it's even possible to do. And I, I thought it was quite unique. He actually has some other plans as well. He hasn't completely shared with me, but he said he plans to go deeper into the, the DeFi financial system with uh, with an ordinal and an emblem vault to really see what happens. Dogfather, I know you love innovation and analytics and all kinds of weird kooky stuff. Uh, what, what you thinking up over there? I mean, I, I was saying that this is the most important use of the week, so one of the most important use, uh, because this is opening a, a whole new world. We are not talking just about uh, one-on-ones, like uh, super rare kind of stuff, and now we can make semi-functional ones. I think this is pretty pretty big news. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see like what else happens from this. And uh, so I put here on the, the Twitter thread, uh, unlocking the true power of Emblem Vault 
This is the first case where a user has vaulted a BTC NFT and then went over to an ETH DeFi protocol and fractionalized a non-ETH NFT. That already sounds pretty kooky. They're called Ordinal Artifacts, and it was a big threat. It actually got received a lot of attention. Some people are really not understanding even what's going on with the with the vaulting structure. Uh, Adam, what, what do you think people are missing when when they're kind of attacking, or maybe they're confused of saying like, I don't get why people are are inscribing things on Bitcoin and then bringing it back over to ETH. For example, like the Bitcoin punks, or they're taking ETH ideas, inscribing it into Bitcoin and then bringing it back to ETH. A lot of people are missing something about that. What do you think it is? I, I think mainly they're missing, they don't understand what like Emblem Vault is at its core. Like they really don't understand it. Um, and I've had to explain it 50 times over the last you know two weeks. And they, they think it's some sort of bridge or weird bridge, and they don't know what happens to the actual asset on Bitcoin. They don't know what happens to the ordinal. They don't realize that it's just like it's just locked or you know it's just in a wallet and nobody has access to the wallet. That's what the, that's what the NFT on Ethereum is. And so they just don't understand like this base principle that you're just basically trading ownership, but the thing never leaves the native chain. And so that they don't get it. They just, they just say, well, why would you, why wouldn't you just keep it on Bitcoin? And they don't understand things like liquidity and they don't understand like where people trade, you know, and that people want to trade on open sea and they want that atomic swaps where I can do it easily and not have to worry about getting paid. And they don't understand all the challenges that we in the historic community, like we get it right but we've been doing it for two years, right? So we understand that. We understand why Pepe's mainly sell on OpenSea. And so they just don't understand that kind of like base functionality of like what Ethereum does and why you would want to sell your, you know, ordinals there. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's for us, it's, it's great because it's like a never ending education space, right? We have so much, uh, you know, learning for people to do especially bitcoiners like they don't get it they don't really understand it and um so learning about liquidity and why you would want to access liquidity why they're you know the marketplace is better at, over at OpenSea. um you know these are things that people have to learn and uh you know the only way to do it is kind of go through it and i think this is a wonderful opportunity for people to actually go through it because they can see like if they hold whatever a bitcoin punk and they just have it in a Sparrow wallet. They can't really sell it. They don't really know what to do. And they see other ones selling. Um, and they're like, well, I want to sell it too. And then they, they start going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, it's, uh, it's absolutely true. Uh, and also now Emblem Vault is fully Taproot compliant, which means that you can now safely vault and unvault your ordinals through the taproot wallet there's actually a taproot feature now inside of all emblem vaults so you'll see the one that's the traditional one which is the legacy wallet says btc slash counterparty slash omni and then the other one says taproot so if you're if you're planning to bring them to emblem vault make sure that you use taproot the the difference between those for those don't know don't know they're like oh I don't get it I've been vaulting assets through this uh, the legacy one why why do you need Taproot well Taproot you don't have to run uh, a full, full Bitcoin node, node. <laughs> yeah, full Bitcoin node and so the yeah. issue the issue never was at least from my understanding with with ordinals is that it was never an issue of sending it's an issue of receiving where the the ordinal can get mixed 
and and you can lose it because it gets spent as a a minor transaction fee rather than being sent as just a, a transfer. At least that's that's my complete understanding of it. But now with Taproot, you don't have to worry about that. You can send it. I actually successfully went back and forth uh, last night. I went from Sparrow to Emblem Vault, and then Emblem Vault to Xverse. And now it's locked forever in Xverse. Yeah, like- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was, that was actually quite funny. Yeah, you, so, realize, you realize that a lot of them have receiving capabilities, but not all have sending capabilities, right? Like yeah. almost none have sending capabilities yet. Yeah. So they actually uh, they actually commented on it this morning and said that their uh, their transfer. They said we should be ready to launch these momentarily uh, in terms of uh, sending it out. But you can. But just because I imported it, I can still import it back into Sparrow and then send it somewhere else. So that's the cool part of importing. Importing where you use the uh, the twelve word uh, not what is it mnemonic phrase? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to do that. Uh, but in terms of innovation with with ordinals on uh, Emblem Vault, there's a handful of things down the pipeline uh, that you got to be ready for. Uh, Adam and I are taking tons of calls. Some people have the wildest ideas which is which is just awesome because first i have to process what they're thinking about and then i have to go back to them and be like is this even possible uh most things when when you talk about things being possible man crypto tends to blow your mind so there are a lot of people thinking about things that are not just jpegs inscribed onto the the bitcoin blockchain themselves uh we do have dc desktop commando who just uh, joined us DC is our favorite community member who is a legend in the space. He's been with EV and Emblem Vault in the community for since the beginning, man. He's helped helps out a ton, and he's also a very knowledgeable person. So uh, make sure you guys give him a follow. And uh, DC, good morning, man. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Just uh, recovering from a cold at the moment. So uh, my, my voice sounds like a badger or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, appreciate your service. We should, uh, over the weekend too, I mean, me, DC, and Adam, we're going to have up videos and blogs of how to successfully go back and forth with your ordinals. And then hopefully, uh, Swooty and I will put together the the Litecoin one. So that content will be there. Uh, we'll be able to... <laughs> Shane Alexander put in the comment, he wields a big hammer too. LMAO. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I just mention, I, I, I know it's not to uh, jump on it, just that the OpenSea taproot address isn't appearing yet at the moment. Shannon's um, on it. Um, it's just so when anybody looks on there, they don't panic and think that they've got fake vaults or anything. Yeah, you're you're, uh, you're in regards to the uh, BTC Explorer that populates in the description. When you vault that... Is go- that is reverting to the legacy ones, but you can actually vault. But uh, yeah, so some people use that as a verification tool. So you're saying like, essentially like two of the three ways to verify the vault are there. The third one is uh, in the works. So uh, yeah, that's kind of kind of the. Wait, explain that again, because I'm a little confused with that one. What's so that you know, well, at, at the moment, um, when you populate um, a vault. But where we've been trying to get rid of the empty vault because the at the moment the stat ordinal isn't the API doesn't work because it only works for taproot. Um, people have been putting Bitcoin in that forces um, OpenSea to to project the Bitcoin ad, um, address up, which means that when you click on the ordinal ID, you can verify against that uh, particular address that it's the correct one that that ordinal's in. At the moment, um, when putting into the taproot, although it sees the Bitcoin because it's the Bitcoin blockchain. 
it's only showing the legacy address. So when you click on the, um, again, the ordinal um, ID, it's showing the Bitcoin address, which is in fact empty. So for the time being, it might confuse people. Mm -hmm. So uh, Shannon just needs to make the taproot one appear instead of the Bitcoin legacy address. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's the the hyperlink that you see um, in the description because uh, everyone you of course with the emblem vault right there's there's so many ways that uh, that scammers use in their in their toolkit to try to trick people and so the hyperlink that takes you to the explorer is a it's a very important uh, verification tool. One other interesting thing that I've been watching <clears throat> is this uh, is Stacks. Actually, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Stacks. It's a L2 that's on top of that's built on top of of Bitcoin, and it was created by Munib, who was the guy who actually created One Name. Um, so he's like very early into a lot of these ideas. One Name was a DApp that was built on top of of Namecoin back in the day that uh, tokenized profile pictures and it tokenized your banners, but then you could receive Bitcoin with your with your one name profile. So he went on to build Stacks, and I think now they're actually like fully a layer two. There was some tweet the other day about how it was like kind of like a pseudo sidechain, but now it's like fully compliant with the with the L two protocol, and it's up like one hundred and fifty percent in the last week. And I've seen some of the maxis get get pissed because it, or and even some of the, some other uh, ordinal supporters uh like eric wall who is saying he said i have no idea how stacks completely jacked the ordinal narrative and then found a way <laughs> to integrate it into their their protocol right because they're using gamma and some of these other ones so now there's actually some some internal war or maybe just the whole bitcoin infrastructure community has never actually had full competition right so now the, the competition's heating up and some people are getting stressed that there's more than just one protocol there, which I think to me is so important to the longevity of Bitcoin. And we're seeing a lot of developers kind of kind of flock over there. I know Adams uh, had some conversations with some of the Stacks people. He's he's a dot BTC guy. We have <laughs> we have Stacks already actually integrated into Emblem Vault. It's been for a while. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on on Stacks and the future of it? You know, I, my gut says it'll be successful, but there's so much pushback from from you know Bitcoin maxis that it's I mean you saw you saw Casey tweet about it you know Stacks is a scam and it's got a shit coin and all the rest of it right and so that's the that's the Bitcoin narrative and so you know there's there's going to be battles there I mean I thought uh, when I first heard of the dot BTC names I was like oh this is this is actually interesting like if if just if you look at the way what happened with the ENS names and the way it was used as an identifier, you know, when we get back to like the name coin and all the, all the whole history of blockchain, it's like ID systems are like a core part of like people trying to figure this out. And ENS names are really kind of one of the first things that really worked. And if Bitcoiners have that similar sort of identification system, uh, it just seems to make sense. And they were like five bucks. So I went and bought like 50 of them. Right. Uh, so, so, you know, but whether or not they get that kind of the the integrations which make it usable, I they don't have that yet. So it's kind of like it's a dream. And we know from Linogy, we know how difficult that actually is. And so, you know, whether or not they'll be able to get that that like integration into like the general um, ecosystem, uh, it's for me, that's the thing that's like either success or failure is like, can they make that kind of impact? 
And for a lot of that, it's like they need to get people to adopt it and they need to get people interested in it and kind of generate awareness. I mean, honestly, it, it, it would take like one solid Bitcoiner to change his, you know, username on Twitter to dot B. If Sailor changed this thing to sailor.btc, <laughs> oh, it would be over. That would be it. It would be, okay, we're all using BTC names now, right? Whether or not that ever happens, who knows? But I mean, we just see what would happen with Vitalik when Vitalik started using it and stuff. It just creates like, I'm on this team. And uh, so whether or not it ever happens, uh, who knows, right? But, but it certainly is, there's a possibility there for sure. Yeah, man, the Bitcoin L2 wars are heating up. One of my biggest losses ever is actually from Sovereign, which uh, Anthony Pompliano shilled me. And I took a massive L trying to go to that L2. So I, I, need, to, I need to make up some revenge uh, <laughs> from that because, man, my Sovereign bags were, I had to exit that at like 99% loss because that, uh, that was not a good experience. <laughs> I mean, it, is, it is funny, though, like with Stacks specifically, they have kind of, you know, they've done a good job of like getting themselves into the narrative where it's not like ordinals aren't about stacks. Like you don't what are you need stacks for any of this stuff. Right. So I, I just look at it from their perspective that they've done a really nice job. And uh, is it Manib? I think his name is mm -hmm. um, like, dude, he's been everywhere. Right. He's been on, I mean, we've been on all the spaces and he's been on every single space as well. So he's done a good job of kind of, you know, building awareness uh, about stacks, which for a lot of people, it's the first time they're hearing of it, you know? So um, yeah. Cheers to him for doing a good job. Cheers to the Bitcoin L2 war. I will absolutely be watching. I want to move on to, oh, Leo. Leo, what you got here, man? You've been around the Bitcoiners for the last two, I've three weeks. You've, been, you've been around all of them. Tell, tell, <laughs> tell, tell us what you're thinking. Well, I mean, the, the first thing is, like, anytime you hear this, like, default, uh, it's a scam, it's a shitcoin. You have to remember, they say that also about Ethereum. So, That's like, true. the credibility... The credibility there is like, honestly, I don't know. There's zero nuance when you talk to these people sometimes. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, you're right. Like stacks is not like ordinals are on Bitcoin layer one, not on stacks, which is essentially this layer two that now has like some level of increased security tied to the Bitcoin hash power. Um, but yeah, the, the reason I think it's important is, is what it really is, is like it's a community thing. There has been the Bitcoin maxis, okay, who say, the Bitcoin blockchain and the word Bitcoin, this is all about a single currency and sound money. And that's what Lightning Network's about. That's what Bitcoin's about. And then there's this totally other group of people. And of course, they gravitated towards stacks because that was like the bleeding edge of like doing Web3. And basically, all every other use case you can do on Ethereum, if you want to do that on Bitcoin, then your community is basically stacks. And... That's why I think the Stacks community is so interested in ordinals. They're the ones who believed from the start that all of this awesome stuff like NFTs and DeFi will eventually come to Bitcoin. And of course, those people are excited about ordinals because it's like the validation of their thesis. And it's basically the validation that like kind of the Bitcoin maxis were basically more or less wrong. Like, you know, people are going to do more on Bitcoin's block space than simply, uh, you know, sending back and forth one coin for all of time. That's um, so it, it's basically validating these guys. And yeah, I mean, basically they're the ones who are excited and they're also the ones, the developers building in stacks are the ones who are building like two thirds of the tooling in Ordinal. So like, you know, like I think like two or three of the wallet extensions, what they are is just like this kind of multi-use web three around Bitcoin wallet. So you can do 
you know, a taproot address for your ordinals. You can do uh, your stacks. You can do your Bitcoin. They're trying to do it all. They're just building in the Bitcoin ecosystem for Web3 use cases other than the Bitcoin currency. To me, that's what this group of people are. They're not just stacks. They're like Web3 around the Bitcoin ecosystem. So that I just wanted to kind of share that because like these guys are like honestly very, very talented developers and they are the ones pushing a lot of this forward. Um, even like Bruff with Satoshables, like, you know, he uh, migrated, you know, he created a bridge to stacks for the Satoshables from ETH. And then now he's building like an inscription tool. So that stacks community was like this kind of like, just like, you know, I don't know, like they were the rebellion and now the rebellion's gotten a lot bigger. And now it's, it's not stacks. It's like web three on Bitcoin is the narrative. And I think just pinning it to stacks is to kind of call the movement uh, a little bit smaller than it actually is. Yeah, that's a bit, that's actually a very strong narrative. Uh, some of the, the inquiries that we've been getting is actually mostly from the stacks community. So I think there's going to be some very cool leverage products that leverage ordinals stacks and Ethereum. Uh, and that seems to be kind of uh, one of the growing trends uh, there, right? We have uh, one of the interesting things that have popped up on Emblem Vault actually is this ordinals.market, which is not created by us. It was a group of entrepreneurs, Robert uh, and and Co, who originally created Atomic Zero. They created this, this aggregator on top of us that's called, uh, yeah, ordinals.market, where they're using complete Emblem Vault uh, protocol to basically curate collections and then provide like additional financial tooling from the sweeping function to verification. They built their own API. These guys have moved very quick. And from what I hear, they have a lot more coming. So I think this might be end up being like one of the default ordinal uh, marketplaces uh, with a leaderboard functionality, especially I'm assuming they're going to add additional projects and you'll probably see hundreds there especially if they start going cross chain and you know maybe even stacks or once they add litecoin as well uh i mean emblem vault's done about i think like three thousand in eth and in volume just from the bitcoin punks which is i think much more although i know scarce city has seemed to capture some of that value in their auction system one of the trends that i've noticed is that what what emblem vault is doing is it's essentially bringing the flipper community to Bitcoin, because that's never really been been possible. Because when you go through the decks on on Counterparty or the Dispenser, there's no real flipping there, right? I mean, you can maybe make a flip like days later, because <laughs> you have to set it up. You just do not have that the, that uh, that smart contract functionality to you know buy list sweep and all these different cool things. So I'm interested to see uh, how the like Bitcoin flippers uh, are moving onto. Uh, Ethereum, right? Or it's maybe it's just the Ethereum DGENs who just want to get into Bitcoin. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where that crossover is. Yeah, I'd love to know what you guys think uh, specifically about this idea of there's a lot of people with with Bitcoin who might want to deploy that Bitcoin into kind of risky assets, let's call them. So I think we saw this to a degree on Ethereum where a lot of ETH whales, and we all ran into some, you know, where these guys have thousands of ETH and they use that ETH on NFTs during the NFT bull run as a way to try to make bigger gains, right? Um, my gut says, my gut says Bitcoiners don't do, aren't interested in that. Bitcoiners are interested in holding Bitcoin, not necessarily flipping. But 
you know, I'd love to know if you guys have different thoughts about that or have heard different things. Dogfather, give me, give me a thought. You're the one who's, who pulls up all the numbers on, uh, on our counterparty and Doge party specialist. What do you, what do you think? I mean, on, on, on counterpart, you, you never had these type of Bitcoin maxis because there was a bit, a big disconnect between the two communities. So it will be interesting to see whether on the ordinals, uh, it's, it will be different. So whether if we have a fully Bitcoin native market, whether the big uh, Bitcoin wallets are grabbing some of the cool stuff and the early stuff. But uh, on the counterparty side, there was never really a, a big connect. Yeah, well, one thing I want to mention, and then I pass it over to Chain Left and say GM as well. Scarce.city actually operates on the Lightning Network, and a lot of the Bitcoin maxis have been pro Lightning Network. That's kind of right. That was kind of the whole idea of the fork was like we're just going to build the Lightning Network so we don't have to increase the block size. I don't know if they're at, if they've gravitated over to Scarce.city and used the tools you know that they've been preaching on for years, but I mean they had. Two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand dollars in sales during that that ordinal auction. So it makes me wonder, curious if any of the the OG Bitcoin Maxis are the ones who were uh, the winners at the end of that auction. It's interesting. Last- just I, I, an interesting stat I heard last week was that the entire um, uh, Lightning Network on a daily basis does about the same volume as a medium sized Walmart, uh, which I think tells you kind of how lightly used it is. I mean, if you think globally, global trade on lightning is less, you know, is about the same as a Walmart. Um, It just puts in perspective that Bitcoiners, they talk a big game, but they're not exactly, you know, spending a whole lot of money on lightning. It's that, it's that wealth effect, man. Once you get too rich, you just don't want to do anything. You just want to kind of, <laughs> you kind of just want to bask in the glory and uh, call it a day. Chain left. We're finally making it over to you as uh, our on-chain specialist, man, who's also just deployed some cool inscriptions um, there. Uh, what's hey. what's on your mind? Hey, Jake. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say, like, because you mentioned like how uh, Emblem Vault brought the Flipper's market to, you know, sort of. For the for the inscriptions essentially to to Ethereum, right? Like with the and it definitely happened. I'm not denying that, but I just wanted to say like it's not just the flippers market um, because I uh, so uh, you know you you've seen in my profile probably like I've launched a collection like uh, of 10, 10 generative art pieces, uh, possibly the first uh, I don't know maybe maybe not but probably the first audiovisual uh, inscriptions. And uh, what I've noticed, like all my collectors, like I think uh, out of the ones that that decided to buy, I think bar one, all of them wanted to have it through the emblem vault. Emblem vault. They they didn't want it to have it through the, you know, Bitcoin like just a transfer through Bitcoin or something. They just asked me to if I could if I could vault them essentially. So I just wanted to say like it's not just the flippers. These these guys are like uh, long term collectors. They don't care about uh, flipping. They're not into PFPs or anything like that. They just like they're full on long term art collectors and they fully focuses they just focus on focus on the long term collection and they just wanted it through emblem vault. I just wanted to like highlight that it's not just the flipping. It's like Emblem is providing a service that's pretty much like covering all the bases, actually. Uh, and it looks like they, they uh, even even the most adamant collectors are into, uh, you know, collecting through Emblem Vault. Even even 
if it, you know, uh, even if they realize that you know there is some sort of uh, semi uh, semi custodial size of it, side of it, or anything like that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thank you for actually bringing up that point. It's a very good one. It's uh, the kind of the thesis of why Adam and I joined is we realized, you know, you just got to meet the you got to meet the buyers where they're at, and that's why they want it to be on Ethereum. Uh, for the collector and art side too, uh, there are actually a large amount of collectors that they just want they just want to put their Bitcoin assets in Emblem Vault so that they can display it in their gallery on Ethereum, right? So there's a lot of use cases outside of just flipping. Uh, the the most popular artist that I'm actually seeing that people are collecting their art is a this artist called Goral Goral Shahita. It's a yeah. Now that I followed him, I see all his stuff. Like he he's uh, he's pretty popular, man. He's probably got about 20 ETH in sales of his. Uh, it's called Ordinal Goros of its 100 collections. It's got a huge following, and he's re he reached out to us to ask for assistance, and he's a big. He's a big believer in Emblem Vault, and uh, so if you're listening, man, dude, uh, props to you. He really took the initiative as one of the first artists to go in there, and he's been having a, a field day, man. He's been getting a lot of having a lot of success. I'm looking at his wallet right now. He's even got a, some Satoshiables in there. He's still got a few of his. It's a pixel art project, uh, but he's been around the block for quite a long time. It sees, and he's actually quite funny on Twitter. Yeah. But for collecting. Uh, we didn't get to talk about our collector's corner last time. Let's get and, to it, man. And I know Ethord is ready to talk about something very special to I think the majority of people who are uh, who are Gen who are millennial and up, maybe even the Gen Zers. <laughs> but go ahead. Definitely some Gen Z action on this one too. But yeah, this hoarder's quarter, a weekly segment that explores the world of physical collecting. Digging into its history and exploring which characteristics drive value to drive parallels with historic NFTs. And this week, we have Star Wars action figures. So out of uh, you guys on stage, any of you Star Wars action figures collectors are just big, avid fans of the film franchise? Big you know, time. I was, when I was a kid, I had, I, I like, yeah, it was, this was a big thing, man. You know, you guys are too young, man, but I actually had the original ones, like the C-3PO, the old <sighs> real one. Do you still have them? <laughs> no way, dude. No way. That, those things are lost to time, man. The sands of time. Yeah. I'm, That's good to hear that. I'm, I'm a collector, you know? too, of these ones. I still got I'm sorry. Go ahead. Was that a chain left or desktop? I think it's desktop. Uh, it's desktop. I'm just saying I'd, I'd make you all mad because I open the actual packages and play with the actual toys like they were intended. <laughs> 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 that does not make me mad. I am... I'll, same as you, right? I don't buy things to just leave them in the packaging. Yes, that does keep the value up. But, um, you know, especially talking about kids' toys here, right? Yeah, what kind of kid wants to just leave them in the packaging? You want to play with them. You want to put Luke in, you know, in in the vehicles and, and drive the the X-Wings and all that. So um, I feel you there. But, yeah. Which, 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 funny, which, funny enough, is actually the exact same way for like the Bixie, um Bitcoin maxes, ETH maxes. You want to play with the stuff and invest and make more of it, you know, not just leave it packaged up and turn into like a, a dragon looking after your gold, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe that also goes back to what Adam was saying with the difference between uh, Bitcoiners and Ethereans. Um, it seems like uh, the old school Bitcoin maxis are kind of hoarders. Uh, they don't generally use it as much as they just keep it and build and stack stats. 
Um, and if you if you're an ETH whale and you got a thousand ETH, you want to spend it. You want to use it like oil and and try to yeah maybe you flip a JPEG to get more ETH in the long run, or maybe you buy some you know NFTs for status symbols. But it does seem like there's kind of a divide between um, the two groups. All right, Ethor, give me, give me, give me some numbers. What did you find in your, in your research? I actually did not collect any of the Star Wars uh, action figures. I did watch the shows, but I, I was not an avid fan, as like most people. So, so Jake hey, was hey, more hey, into hey, uh, hey, My Little Rebels. Pony. Jake, Jake was a My Little Pony guy. Bro, Pokemon. <laughs> I was, I was all about Pokemon and GI Joe. That's uh, we'll get into GI Joe one of these days. I'll give you, I'll give you some some facts. Ooh, nice. All right. Yeah, Jake, maybe you can do the the uh, the GI Joe one, but um, <laughs> actually, GI Joe is is good for this because you know the origins of this GI Joe toys were huge at the time, um, and this idea of a film franchise branching out to you know marketing toys, uh, Star Wars is the first to do it successfully, and that I think is why it's retained so much value now. I mean, obviously, Star Wars is ingrained in in pop culture uh it's hard to find even like a tv show or a movie that doesn't have a star wars reference in it even to this day which i always i always note in my mind when i'm watching something like oh, there's a star wars reference check it off um but yeah they wanted to with the success of gi joe's they uh went to mega corporation which was the leading company of action figures in the 70s and these dumbasses did you know they said no i don't you are George Lucas, and I don't care about your movie that's probably going to suck about people in space. They said no, and then uh, in comes this company called Kenner, who is a division of General Mill, and they're the ones that uh, licensed these toys, and they're the ones that made hundreds of millions of dollars. So good call on Kenner. Um, famously, too, George Lucas, he, uh, he worked a deal with 20th Century Fox. He said, look, I don't want to take the full salary for directing, writing, producing this movie. I'll take some of it, reduce cash, uh, as long as I get two different compensation. So he retained the rights to all merchandising and uh, retained the rights to uh, any sequels. And that is why George is the billionaire that he is today. <laughs> uh, one, one last thing too about the background of this and, and what drove value was, um, Lucas is a super paranoid guy, right? And when he made this movie, usually when you're making toys, you have to, just because of the manufacturing process and everything that it takes, you're supposed to give the designs uh, years ahead of time so everything can get made by the time the movie's released. Well, he didn't want it. He didn't want stuff leaking. He didn't want competitors finding out about his, you know, the R2-D2, C-3PO, and TIE Fighters and whatever. So he uh, kept that close to his hip and then, uh, by the time the movie released, there was such a limited supply uh, <laughs> that it sparked all this FOMO to go out and, and buy these toys. Um, and he's actually kind of the first to come up with a mint pass because there wasn't enough in stock. And by Christmas 1977, they had to release, quote, early bird certificate packages, yeah. which is basically a piece of cardboard that had some stickers on it and they said all right you know you, you take this cardboard and you mail it to us and we'll give you four action figures whenever they're ready yep. <laughs> i see i see adam so I, I see adam gleeman over there man, trust me, man. this was like it's like the ultimate rug like you're waiting for christmas day you think you're getting luke and c3po 
And what you're getting is a card which says at a future time you will receive Luke and C3PO. Bro, bummer Christmas, man. Bummer Christmas, dude. I'm telling you, dude. I know. Yeah, dude, I got that. Dude. I got that piece of paper uh, in my, you know, in my stocking that Christmas. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of bummed out kids, man. Uh, it is this honestly, it was genius on his part. Cause they had to make a move. Right. Um, and God knows how many like millions of dollars of, you know, future toys you were going to get. Um, I think my mom, my parents bought it like at the t- toy store, like they were selling it at the toy store. Uh, basically it's like a gift certificate. Right. And, um, yeah, crazy, man. The early mint pass. I like that. Right, you revolutionized that. I, I I do like that. I think it's interesting. You can go on eBay. You can type in the early bird certificate packages. They are selling them. They're obviously not too expensive, but uh, I think that's a cool piece of, of history right there. And then yeah, so Adam and everyone else wanted these things so bad. Sales topped 100 million for two straight years. Um, and then by 1985, right, the movie came out in 19, the first one came out in 1977, and then there were of course the sequels. But by 1985, demand slowed. Kenner discontinued production. Uh, they did bring it back up in 1995, so there are kind of you know, reprints, if you will, um, at that point. But obviously, it's all about the late 70s, early 80s um, action figures. Those are the ones that can have value. Timestamp, time scarcity. Ethor, t- give me some numbers, man. I want to know who who sold the top. Who sold the top here? What, yeah. was, what was the winning? What was the winning action figure? Of course. So. Um, before I get into the Holy Grail, uh, we're, we're seeing some sort of uh, theme here, right? It's all about how, how ugly was it and, and did it look cheap um, is, is sometimes something that, that gives a value. So, for example, the vinyl-caped Jawa that um, Kenner produced, uh, they thought that it looked ugly and it felt cheap, so they changed it to a clock row. So only a few hundred vinyl-caped Jawas made it to store shelves. Um, and there's over a million cloth robes. So clearly, if you got one of those early vinyl cape Jawas, it sells anywhere between $2,000 to $6,000. Um, and then another theme is, you know, can kids choke on it? <laughs> that's that's going to be the new question. Can kids choke on it? Right. It wasn't recalled, right? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's this double telescoping lightsaber version of both Luke and Vader. Um, it had an extra piece that could extend as a lightsaber, but of course those pieces could break off and kids were choking on them. Um, so yeah, Luke goes for around 1,000 and the Vaders go for around 2,000, of course. Um, and these numbers, I feel, are just going to keep up in inflation and people continuing to love Star Wars. And, you know, the quality going, getting worse and worse and these things getting lost uh, over time. But, okay, that leads me to the last one, the Grail. So, in 1979, Boba Fett with rocket firing mechanism. This thing was initially meant to be free in the mail, which, as everyone knows, anything that was a free mint uh, holds a special place in in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And and this was, yeah, if you bought four action figures and sent the whatever UPC code in the mail that showed you bought four, they were supposed to send you this rocket firing version. Well... That version was never mailed out. Only a handful of various prototypes were made before they realized, hey, this is dangerous. It can poke kids in the eye. And more importantly, they can swallow, choke, and die. So we're not going to release these. Well, a couple of prototypes did make their way into collector's hands. 
and they sell for over fifty thousand dollars each. Nice. The first gotta, real rug, man. <laughs> <laughs> to Gotta love it, man, dude. The free mints. There's always so many parallels between the physical world and collecting and uh, and the digital world. The, I the mean, you just stuff. see how like the 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 FOMO. You you wonder if, for example, that first Christmas, if they had had enough supply to meet demand would we even really care about star wars action figures that kind of the the fervor it creates when they're they're not available um you know i still remember that feeling right this is you know 47 years ago or whatever and i still remember that feeling and that disappointment of not getting right and uh yeah it's amazing how i mean it's just part of who we are right if i can't have something i want it even more and uh it's just interesting how that how that played out and Boba, Boba Fett still is the best of all the Star Wars action figures. I, I will, I will die on that hill. <laughs> oh man. Well, Ethor, man, thank you for Thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to have to start preparing for a GI Joe episode uh, with some tanks. Uh, I'm excited for that. Uh, I do want to transition and do a little bit of more of an emblem vault update. Uh, Cause there was so many things that happened. Uh, First, we'll talk about, uh, we'll start with our AI verification tool on the back end that Desktop Commando had tweeted about. Uh, some people were asking me like what this was. Uh, Shannon had created something that we call internally call Fraud GBT, which is uh, an AI tool that uh, flags uh, vaults on our back end. And it'll tell you the risk. It gives you like a risk score of high, medium, and low. Uh, if it is a fraudulent bot, we are testing it out internally. Uh, hopefully, put it out in the public. It is open source. Uh, we just need to uh, be very careful with it, right? One of the fears is you put it out there as open source, and then the fraudsters figure it out, and then they find ways to to work around <laughs> it. Right? It's a never-ending. It's a never-ending game of whack-a-mole. It's it's absolutely crazy how that how that works. Some of the top sales this week, dude. A Bitcoin zombie sweep. Top sale was Bitcoin Punk 5742 for 6.95 ETH. We had 6.6 ETH, 5.7, 5.9, and it goes all the way down to like in the fours. Dude, just zombie punks flying. Dude, they're still, still overtaking the, the Emblem Vault board. And every time, it's interesting, I've noticed every time that Ordinals.market puts out a new feature, the volume just increases. Like it literally like doubles. They first, when they put out, uh, that you can buy. They did native listings, then they did sweeping tools. Uh, so it's it's interesting to follow, especially once you start getting more collections on there. Uh, if that Emblem Vault Legacy collection uh, persists in the top, just because of the sheer amount of ordinals and all the other things that kind of sit on top of it. Uh, in regards to Pepe's, we're starting it on Monday. I thought we were going to be able to get it back this this week, but uh, it took it took a little bit uh, took a little bit to get there. It took <laughs> with the Litecoins and, and the Taproot wallets <clears throat> starting curated collections back on Monday, where we resume testing out the migration portal. And I believe now that Pepe.wtf is finally or has been able to uh, compile all the wallet addresses from all the creators. They got a ton after that tweet. I have to say, <laughs> I think they had like around a hundred, and it ended up like close to in the like in a thousand, like around a thousand uh, people Amazing. within forty-eight hours. Yeah, so they literally just went exponential. Those Pepe artists are ready to get their share, um, which they rightfully uh, deserve as well. 
Also, one of the, the crazy changes, OpenSea on Friday dropped a bomb that they're going to 0.5% royalties, uh, which now coincides with uh, the blur farming. So people aren't really sure what's really going on. Emblem Vault has to make some changes, right? Our revenue stream, one of the, the main revenue streams is dropped by 80% essentially. Uh, we're seeing it slowly trickle to zero. Some people are still paying two and a half, which is awesome. The majority of people are paying 0.5%. Uh, so of course, now you have to take kind of the volume approach to it. Uh, some, some people in the community have noticed there's been some changes. Um, and so we are actively reviewing the tokenomic structure of Koval. Um, and so the funds that were supposed to be burnt are now sitting idle in a wallet until we make a decision on what really happens. Um, they could ultimately end up being burnt. They're not being dumped or anything like that. Uh, we just haven't really had time and to, to fully dissect what the options are. And, but we are actively in discussion uh, for it. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on the back end. Right, the the business model is changing, so you have to adopt adapt to the solutions. Any collection that's pre twenty twenty three is essentially their royalties has gone to effectively zero, like everybody else. I think Emblem's in a better position than most of them because you know we do have a token, we have a vaulting structure, right? There's different things that we can go about it, uh, but we do have to to review that um, to figure out what's the best opportunity uh, for uh, an additional business model especially when you have now another uh, marketplace that's built on top of you, you know, that they get 2% royalties no matter what, and we get 0.5, right? So we're, we're getting in a, we're in a, a warfare from multiple angles, right? We're getting, <laughs> our royalties gone to zero. The other person on top of us is making four times the amount that we are. Uh, <laughs> right? So there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on, still trying to add the infrastructure. Uh, so uh, we're actively reviewing the tokenomics. It's not, because we want to dump it onto everybody, it's because we we're we're uh, we're in between multiple variables going on. Uh, Adam, would you like to add something to this? And when then I'll I, when I think we're scrambling, all I got to do is open OpenSea and know that they are really scrambling. <laughs> That's what I love. You know, it's so funny. And and I I don't know. I mean, I'd love to have uh, you know maybe Leo's perspective here because he's talked to a lot of people. But you know, I mean, Blur. Is is it ninety percent wash trading? Is it ninety five percent wash trading? You know, when when they say volume has surpassed OpenSea, I'm like, I mean, how much of this is wash trading? It's just, I don't know. I feel like OpenSea really is just, unfortunately for them, uh, has really kind of dropped the ball, and now they're in full scramble mode. And and I think from a, a business perspective, I, I I don't think it's wise for them. Um, but you know, I guess we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I feel like they've really misstepped in a couple places there, but I'd love to, I'd love to know Leo's perspective from what he's hearing. Yeah. I mean, this has frustrated a lot of artists, a lot of founders. I mean, yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, a lot of people basically thought they had this business model of royalties and, you know, they could kind of, you're an artist, you can kick back and just literally make 50 K a year for the rest of your life. I mean, based on the work you've already created and that just completely went out the window. Right. So, and it's especially a big problem for a bunch of these PFP projects, right? Like they have like, basically what they're going to do is they're just going to mint a bunch of more, uh, they're going to have to dilute their holders to make money. And that's like actually kind of a bummer for holders, but yeah, ultimately, I mean, you can like it or not like it. I mean, the reality is like, we're probably going to a 0% royalty environment. And yeah, maybe like if you're like buying really expensive crypto art, there will be some sort of tipping 
culture uh, where like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I personally don't think uh, royalties, you know, we're in this transition phase and in like a year, there's basically just going to be like very little to no royalties. So you have to ask a really hard question. What is our business model? <laughs> and, you know, it, it's a very difficult question. I mean, because nobody has like a super great answer. Um, it's basically like you can mint assets and sell that to people or you can take some sort of fee if you create the marketplace yourself. So there's lots of movements of artists saying we're going to create our own marketplaces and stuff. Um, but ultimately, I'm not even sure how well, like you basically have to have a far superior user experience so that people want to use that over OpenSea and it's worth that fee of one or 2%. So yeah, these are really, really tough questions. And like I, I don't have the answers. I just know that like the doubling down on royalties thing is just going to make you be in an even worse spot in, like six months from now. And you're not actually get having to go through that painful process of realizing and coming to a business model that actually does work. And I would just be, if I was an artist or I was a company, I would be just really paying attention to all the experiments that other people are trying because there's no question that in a massive, you know, $20 billion market, people will find ways to make money. And the business models will adjust and people will adapt and there will be companies that survive. And you basically just need to be open to experimentation. And I, I just, yeah, the answer of going on Twitter and acting upset about royalties, that app, that solves absolutely nothing for you. And doubling down and like, you know, saying you're going to like do these kind of centralized solutions for royalties. You know, these are doubling down on royalties is not the answer. You have to go through a painful process of finding a business model and a bunch of companies will go out of business through that. Fortunately, I think you guys have this Koval token. And I do think like probably there's a really interesting opportunity here for you guys to basically make yourselves the infrastructure layer. Clearly, there's people that want to build on top of you and find some way to use Koval to basically uh, basically be the tokenomics within that system of that infrastructure layer. And maybe that means you change up like how Koval gets used. Like, I don't know exactly. But I do think, you know, unless you're going to go like build marketplaces and compete with these other teams, because my guess is Ordinal's market is one of several that will be popping up here. It's mm -hmm. like, unless you want to be competing on that front, um, I, I really think like the infrastructure layer, which is what you're serving extremely well right now, you have massive demand. You know, you're the number one, you know, basically way to, to move assets across chains. And you're the number one way uh, for people to buy Ordinal's right now. Like th those are two incredible wins. Like, you know, like that's don't, don't take those lightly. So yeah, I, I would be very much thinking about how you can price that infrastructure layer correctly. Yeah. I mean, you're smart. That's exactly the discussion that we're having. <laughs> it's like almost to a T yeah. It's uh, yep. as you are the L1, there is, I don't want to reveal too much, but that's pretty much along the idea of, of the discussion internally is uh, focusing more essentially on vault demand and then how, how Koval is used and how, Either emblem is becomes you know Koval becomes the uh, becomes the bank or the the currency right emblem vaults the bank and then maybe you create something else that becomes like the membership to, to additional features or something like that but uh, I'll leave you guys speculating on that uh, because there are a lot of things that are happening uh, on the back end and Dogfather has had his hand up for quite a long time he's been very patient uh, so thank you uh, for being patient. <laughs> Yeah, no problem at all, man. Um, so I think we can also learn a bit from uh, the communities that never had royalties, right? So like uh, on Counterparty. So we had all these rare peppy artists. And I mean, they found strategies to make a living um, 
without royalties. I mean, this this thing, you know, selling on Emblem Vault was rel is relatively new to them. And what they were doing is they were never having a mint like on ETH where you sell everything and maybe just hold maybe one or two percent or so. They were just holding more and then gently selling, you know, in in upcycle uh, um, markets, selling some of their of their um, of their stuff, you know. And 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 maybe you have to plan differently if if you're running a project, then you you that that would be one strategy not selling uh you know more than like 50 or 70 percent of your supply and then say look i don't have realities if this is pumping and becoming you know a blue chip i need to hold some of them in order to to be able to participate uh in in you know in in this pump and in this value increase um yeah yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. And this actually leads to a very good transition of what I wanted to bring up next. A vampire attack on fake rares. I don't know if you guys had seen this recently uh, or if you've been following Vincent Van Doe's Notable Pepe's, which is, I guess, indirect competition with fake memes, but also indirect comp in competition with fake rares. So Liam Herbs, which I'll pin up here, uh, he posted that, Vincent Van Doe is encouraging people to burn uh, fake rares, the fake ASF, which you have to burn to put a fake fake rare out, uh, for notable Pepe's. The floor for fake rares after this burn, I think there was 500 or maybe to 1,000 fake ASFs that were burned. And now the floor for fake ASF to even create a fake rare is now 2 ETH, right? So that business model has now become tough. It's like, why spend 2 ETH? on a fake asf right because then you're gonna have to raise the mint price to 0.3.4 to even be to even be profitable so his notable pepe's uh i think there was 2000 pepe checks which is essentially the same as the fake asf so it'll have about 2000 assets on it and he seemed to get a lot of demand from this i know this is also building on his project uh or the the Pepe checks, which is kind of like the currency. So I think Pepe checks, he has Pepe checks and Pepe something else. So the Pepe checks is kind of like Pepe cash, like you see in rare Pepe's. And then the other Pepe checks, which is C-H-E-Q-U-E-S, like a check that you write, is what you have to burn to create a notable Pepe. So uh, this is something that I've been watching as well, because it seems like, Pepe's are beginning to kind of phase out of counterparty. And now there's a mass migration into Pepe Ethereum between all of the different artists, like you see with uh, Grant Yun has done a bunch of Pepe's and Batsu with his geometric Pepe's. And now, now you have notable Pepe's on ETH by Vincent Van Doe. And then you have fake memes, which is the decentralized movement with Carsonated and Skrilla and a handful of those other guys. Uh, I don't know if anybody's been watching this, but what what I want to hear first, Adam, we'll hear your thought. What do you what do you think about Pepe's getting phased out on Counterparty and maybe that finally being uh, a closed history book because of how it's priced out now and now the community's migrating to Ethereum? Dude, I need a uh, I need somebody to build a maybe Leo who's good with like you know some images or something can build like a graph so I can understand what the heck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's Pepe's all the way down. And like, I don't even know. There's fake, there's danks, there's rare, there's super rare. I don't even know what's going on. There's 800 types of Pepe's. It's literally infinite. And I don't, I don't get it. Uh, obviously, these guys are having fun doing this kind of stuff, uh, doing the fakes and the fakes, the fakes and all this stuff. 
you know, I don't, I honestly, I can't even pay attention to it anymore. It's, it's beyond me now. It's <laughs> to the point of I've lost, I've lost it. I don't know what's happening. I see Skrilla every day coming up with new stuff. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I'm out. I don't know. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy. Let's just, I'm just focusing on the rare Pepe's. We'll start there and maybe I'll, I'll go down the rabbit hole after that. But yeah. Uh, I, I, it's too much for me, man. I'm in full full Pepe overwhelm. It's Pe- Pepe is finally. Uh, it's it's Pepe's front and center. Everyone's making their own versions. Nifty Universe says, "Beware of the fake commons." So fake commons <laughs> and bank rares are actually the ones that are also on counterparty. So fake commons, you have to spend Pepe cash to make a fake common. I don't know what I don't remember what the the beware beware listen to that sentence beware of the fake commons <laughs> <laughs> what who oh you know, man it's like I don't know I think it was maybe it was Dogfather about like well it's like how do you figure out like you know I guess this is just this is the game right this is the game we're all kind of in it's like what are we where are we going to place value um in confusing markets like this uh it's it's interesting this is like from a collector standpoint to try and figure this out uh to some degree uh you either have to really want to figure it out and really go down the peppy rabbit hole or you just you select the the top ones that you see kind of popping up all the time almost like okay those are the ones that are known i'll just go there you know that that's where my mindset is it's like just top level what's the one i see all the time that's the that's the one i'm going to go for well, speaking of fake memes, Carsonated, who's leading the lead in that movement, just joined. So if you want to hop on stage, we're talking about the notable Pepe's versus fake memes, and then maybe the transition out of of Pepe's on Counterparty after that that vampire attack, and now that fake ASF is to eat. Is it even worth it? I don't know. So, so to me, it's like you look. You have, you have Vincent Van Doe who funded Pepe.wtf. He he merged Pepe.wtf and Pepe Pawn Shop together to make Pepe.wtf. He's created the the AOTM gallery. He's been the probably biggest supporter of Pepe. He's this fool spent thousands of ETH on Emblem Vault for 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 uh, for Pepe's. I guess he has credibility to 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 go vampire attack them and then go create his own notable Pepe's, right? So maybe you call that one the the influencer one, although he's a devout community member, one of the strongest ones. And then you have the decentralized fake memes movement, which I have to say, I was rejected. I got overvoted. <laughs> I did not make it into season zero. It is now officially a rejected <laughs> meme. Sad day. Sad day for me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, dude! I thought I thought I thought I had the credibility. Apparently, I went up against a community legend and uh, did not make it in. So uh, I will I will I will be back up at bat in the fake memes, and I will uh, I will climb my way back into the community. But the season zero voting, I believe, has concluded, or it's about to conclude. There's going to be 33 cards in season zero. I believe they've already curated season one, and they're getting ready to deploy it uh, here pretty soon. You have the, I'll just go through the logistics of, of how it works. You have the fake me master pass, which I believe the floor is around one ETH. You're guaranteed a mint at 0.01 something, some random one point oh one two three four five or something like that. So you can mint and the drop is going to be three times a week. Forget the days at 9 a.m. PST. That's my time. And then there's the meme ASF, which I had mentioned, right? Similar to fake ASF and Pape checks for, for Vincent Van Doe. The meme ASF, you have to burn three of them to get your card into the fake memes collection, which is now going to be 
perfectly curated all onto one smart contract, at least what I believe. And there's like 2,500 or maybe 3,000 fake memes. So I think there's going to be maybe over a thousand or so ever created for the, the fake meme collection. I believe Vincent Van Doe's Notable Pepe's is around 2,000 that can be totally created. So we're gonna get we're gonna get a Pepe off, right? And then this is probably gonna coincide right with uh, six five two nines memes and uh, seize the memes. I still think the meme trend is coming back. I just think the memes are in accumulation right now while the things are happening. I don't think the memes are going away. I do think that this is the third big NFT trend. First, you had the PFPs, then you got the identities, right, with the dot ETHs and dot BTCs and dot blah blah blah. And then you get the tokenized meme. I think every meme uh, community or every community, I think is going to have their own tokenized memes. Dogfather's had his hand up patiently. So I want to call on him. And then uh, Carson, I'd love to hear from you as leading the, the fake meme movement, uh, what the experience has been like over the last, I don't know, I think it's been like two months now at this point. So Dogfather will yeah. go on you first. Uh, yeah, I think Carsonated should come first because uh, he hasn't spoken yet. Carsonated, what's good, bro? If you want to speak or if you're just going to, you're going to be the mystery man on stage. I, you know, thanks for having me up. It's great to be here. I, uh, I saw a conversation going on and figured it'd be great to jump up and listen. And um, you invited me up and I, I couldn't say no. So I wanted to uh, hopefully help with some clarification, maybe take mm -hmm. some questions, clear some, some air and some thoughts. Because there's a lot, I would say there's, there's a great deal of confusion right now, even in these new communities based on uh, their existence in the old communities. So um, coming up and kind of giving some clarity, I think will help a lot of people. Um, so that's what I'd love to do. Um, I know uh, you, you had pointed out that it was about two months for the, for the fake memes uh, in their existence. So I'll start there. Um, we in the group, uh, the first Genesis 5 uh, memes that we all independently created, um, on the 22nd of last month, we decided, hey, this has something in it. So we're just a couple days over a month from an organic idea turning into something. Wow. And yeah, so so it's, it's definitely been quick. It's been fast. And uh, we've been adapting and uh, trying to find a, a path forward that was going to best benefit what we saw and uh, what we wanted to do. Um, so in, in, in reality, uh, what we at the fakes had felt was that uh, the other meme collections that had come out um, were, were missing some of the early memetic creators and felt that it was a great opportunity to um, bring some of those old school memers to the table that may not have otherwise got, got a seat. Um, and with the exposure to all of the creators and fake rares and all of the creators and rare Pepe's that had come before, um, we saw that we could uh, create a place for them to exist and show off their powers and their prowess. Yeah, no, that's why I hopped on it when you guys were putting it all together. It really reminded me of, it, it was kind of like the third edition of Pepe's, but this time it was on Ethereum. But all three of those between rare Pepe's, fake rares, and fake memes, they all happened organically, and they all have a unique story, a similar story, but but uh, a little bit different in, in the variety. 
Uh, so tell us first, just go through, you mentioned the story. Tell us like what's happening now. Like where, where are memes going now? Uh, clarify what happened with zero season zero. And then how does somebody get into or what's happening with season one? Awesome. Uh, so when we created our five memes, uh, it brought a, a spark of energy to a lot of other creators. And we saw this groundswell of fakers making memes. And um, as we decided that we were going to turn this into a collection and, and build something with it, uh, we knew that what was going to be important was to bring those early uh, it's funny because it's only been a month, but those early artifacts of fake memes into the collection in some way. And uh, with fake rares, we had season zero, series zero, um, which had a really unique method of bringing things that had come before fake rares had started and giving them an opportunity to be curated into a collection. Um so we decided that we were going to do a, um, a series of meme offs, which were, you know, head to head battles, which would allow a number of these unique creations to get a chance to get in, which is a little bit different than how fake rares did, did zero. Um, but there was just so much material so quickly, uh, that we created these battles and allowed holders of the two meme ASF passes uh, to come into our Discord and uh, place a vote for which one they wanted to win. So we had uh, a first run grouping of 20 meme offs uh, and those got the opportunity to, um, those got the opportunity to be selected by the community. And uh, from that point, the uh sorry my earpieces went out here so i don't know if you guys can still hear me yeah you're good you're good you're good <laughs> okay all right sometimes it makes you nervous so uh <laughs> the community uh has selected uh 20 additions to series 0 and then we did a second chance for the ones that had the most uh bummed out and sad that it didn't make it uh vocal commentary and we gave those another chance to go up against another group of first runs um that ends today in uh three or four hours and then we'll have completed series zero with the initial 33 uh fake memes that will you know close up that whole series and then we'll begin in, uh starting on series one next week and is season one complete from submissions? And then how is how are the drop mechanics? Uh, what are the days of the drop? Uh, what is the price? And uh, what is the supply minimum? Uh, so series one, I would say, is probably in the range of 75 to 80% complete. We have a couple of, of uh, spots saved for a few people that are working on things. And we have a couple of open spaces that we're working on filling. Um, so if somebody wanted to get a, a fake meme submitted for series one, uh, they would they would want to be in in the next 36 hours at the top end to, to be uh, looked at, to be included potentially. 
Otherwise, those would be uh, decided on for series two. Um, we have a couple of unique uh, mechanisms for uh, sales of the drops. Uh, and we have a meme ASF master pass and a mint pass. And we're going to have three phases of each drop. Uh, those that have the master pass plus the multiplier, which is going to be the Genesis set for series one, holding both of those uh, will give you a mint price of 0 0.01337 ETH. Um, and they'll have a specific window that they can claim. Then we'll follow up with a second window uh, for master pass holders that did not have the Genesis set, and that'll be 0 0.0420. And then once that closes, we'll go to the mint passes, which is a first come, first serve allow list, which will also include the artists having their ability to add to the allow list. And uh, the top 100 holders of fake rares on the Pepe WTF leaderboard. Um, so, so they'll all get in, and those last two will be at the 0 0.0420 sales price. Uh, you asked about timing. Uh, we're going to be flexible. There will be, you know, shifting sands with the decision on when snapshots are taken, so it doesn't get gamified too much. Um, but uh, we're going to do a drop on Tuesday, on Thursday, on Saturday in that three-phase mechanism. And uh, we're going to take the first snapshot sometime after 3.30 Eastern time on Sunday and put together those allow lists. Man, I'm, I'm excited. It's If you think about it, if you're, you could go buy three Meme ASF right now off a of secondary for 0.05 ETH. Right. So 0.15 for three of them, you go burn it. And if you're, if, if you have guaranteed, you know, 500 to a thousand enters, right. That seems like a hundred to 500 X multiplier right there. Just taking it off the top. I mean, I guess you got to put good artwork out, but seems like a huge opportunity uh, in my opinion. Uh, Carson, one last question is what is your thoughts on notable Pepe's and this idea of burning the fake ASFs? What actually happened, but the, the actions of the fake ASFs that had been burnt, for uh, the Pepe checks, and now the floor of fake ASF is two ETH. Does that mean that fake or that fake rares are pretty much done, and Pepe's are pretty much now moving to 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 ETH? Uh, is there uh, is there any type of uh, tribal warfare between notable Pepe's and and fake memes? Just uh, try to try to dissect that uh, that relationship. The short answer is no, absolutely not. Uh, when we created fake memes, we wanted to give fake rares and rare Pepe artists the opportunity to create in a little bit of a different ecosystem with a different palette, with different options. Uh, the way that I describe it to people is all Pepe's are memes, but not all memes are Pepe's. And giving creators the opportunity to create outside of a Pepe, but still create inside of a community is what we wanted to do with fake memes. Um, the, the conversation about a vampire attack or, or exploitation of fake rares by the creation of Notable, um, I, I wholeheartedly stand against that. Uh, I don't know how many people were around at the outset of fake rares, uh, but when I was, I can stand to say that 
we always wondered how fake rares was going to end because it wasn't an open-ended proposition. There were only 2,000 fake ASF created at the outset, and eventually we were going to get to a point where holders would be holding it for the fact that it was a Series 1 card, and they would not be destroying it to release art. So eventually, we all knew that was going to happen. Um, with Notable deciding to carry that on, that's kind of just how, how ecosystems work. And, and I'm of the mind, knowing the fake rare collectors, I don't think we're going to see all of the supply turn into uh, the tool to create art on, on uh, Notable Pepe's. I do think we will see, you know, uh, a bum rush or a flood for the doors by some people that may have extras, but I genuinely think that fake rares will continue to carry on and people will still have a reason to use their valuable fake ASF to be in the, the closing period or the last third of what's going on. And I wouldn't say it's the last days. So, um, Anybody that thinks it was an attack or thinks that there was animosity or a rift or a fight or, uh, you know, uh, a family unit was separated and there's a divorce and the kids have to decide if they go with mom or dad, that's not what's going on. This is just the evolution of what's happened. And we're all still in this together. Like I said, fake memes will be awarding the top 100 holders of uh, fake rares from Pepe WTF. And that's something we can do because of our close relationship with their team and the ability to get that important data uh, about who is a holder from them. There isn't uh, any division. Uh, we're all working together in the context of we're continuing the um, publicity and the uh, notoriety of what is Pepe? Um, so you'll see, you'll see um, fake rares artists doing notables. You'll see, uh, you'll probably see notable artists doing fake memes. You'll see all of us in this together to um, push out to the world what Pepe is and how it originally started on Counterparty Bitcoin and. Um, yeah, so I, I I feel bad that a lot of people think that, but I want to I want to tell them that that's not correct. There's 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 no fight here. Awesome, I actually. Uh, so I pinned to the top the tweet that I was referencing that got a lot of exposure about the vampire tech, and uh, thank you for clarifying it. We do see some of the other fake memers in the crowd. So shout out to JB and Viva Lavandel who are part of the. Genesis Five uh, with Skrilla, and the last one is escaping my mind. Don't don't murder no, me. No. But uh it's okay. But there's yeah, there's five total. Uh it's exciting. I actually just swept five me and myself while you're talking. <laughs> getting, getting some getting getting some more FOMO. I've been like a out. true D Gen, man. Yeah, like <laughs> man. Uh yeah, I, I mean I have my own strategy and plans of, of what I want to do. Right. I'm not, I mean, if you could tell from my own fake meme, I'm not a artistically talented person. Uh like aesthetically uh, but i got i got other ideas of, of how to to contribute to it uh yeah it's pretty it's pretty exciting uh, to see 
Um, I haven't looked too much in the notable Pat Bays, although I know Vince Van Doe's just got a fucking war chest of, of pretty much everything uh, altogether. Uh, Leonidas, I'm curious on, on your thoughts of uh, of Pepe's. Have you dabbled into fake memes or looked into notables? I mean, you're entrenched in Bitcoin NFTs right now. Uh, do you do you uh, find yourself looking towards uh, Pepe's moving to Ethereum? So to be honest, this like last development, I'm just learning about it on the show here, so I'm not like super knowledgeable uh, at the latest developments. That said, like my commentary is just that. This is like Pepe culture spreading. Um, it would be like really like, it, it's, it's very awesome that there's many people wanting to create in this ecosystem and wanting to carry that torch on. And that's a much better scenario than zero people caring. So I'm just happy that people care that just the, like the history of Pepe's will get carried on to a new generation of people that I'm sure get onboarded and in the coming years. And I think that's very exciting. And as far as like the supply burning stuff, I didn't a hundred percent understand the dynamics, but I would just like basic economics would say like anytime some project is having you like burn another project to participate in their project. Like I would look at that as a really good thing for that first project because like lower supply, I mean, that's uh, pretty much just basic economics. The, the value would theoretically go up on that original collection um, because it's more scarce. So that, that's my commentary. Um, nothing super insightful. <laughs> I, I, I find that the best tokenomics are never understood. Uh, <laughs> the tokenomics that make no sense uh, are often the ones that are the most successful, uh, which uh, that's why I stay away from all of that stuff, man, because my brain just starts burning and frying and I'm just like, okay, I'm out. Oh, there's, there's such a large supply, such a large supply. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in Pepe's. We're excited for curated collections uh, to come out. It's interesting. I don't know if I... I put this tweet out and I said, isn't it kind of ironic how uh, Bitcoin NFT creators are finally getting creator royalties while the ETH NFT creators royalties go to zero? <laughs> oh man, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so funny how that, how that works out. Yeah, so I'm excited to see once we get the, the Pepe's, fake rares, fake commons, and dank rares, their curated collections, once we could start that. Uh, we're starting back up the progress on, on Monday. Uh, to see how that split royalties and and kind of the incentive structures and how how all that's aligned uh, to see where it goes. But I mean, just to see that hundreds of artists within 48 hours uh, applied to WTF, Pepe.WTF, when they found out they could get a, some share of the royalties, you know, it just shows that they should be uh, rewarded for, for their work. So uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see where everything goes. Uh, I do want to, we've been going on for a little while, so I do want to end it here. It's Friday, uh, conscious everyone's time, right? Where, wherever you are in the world, whether it's five o'clock on a Friday or uh, you're like me, you're just getting your morning started. I appreciate all the speakers uh, for coming up here. Uh, Adam, any final words before we close this out? And and hopefully we can maybe get some rest this weekend. <laughs> I, I Well, I, I would say this. It's funny because Dennison um, Bertram, who, who created the Pride Punks, uh, project, you know, years ago in 2018, uh, just put out a tweet. He said, remember when NFT royalties were supposed to create a new paradigm for artists? And it's funny. Um, I'm like, well, I, I think I wrote him back. I said, like, that was a thousand years ago, right? <laughs> um, but it is, it's interesting. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with Leo. I think Leo's probably right that, you know, the royalties are maybe going, everybody's, it's a race to zero. Um, but, but it's not over yet, uh, meaning that, uh 
new interesting things are still being built and developed and it's possible that something moves uh the needle in one way or the other and that paradigm can somewhat live on for a certain group of collectors i don't believe it's going to live on for pfp collections and kind of these kind of like random nft projects but potentially for artists i i, I hold out that maybe that paradigm can kind of go forward in some way so uh just something to keep an eye on yeah, I, I absolutely believe. Uh, Leonidas, any uh, any closing remarks? Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts of the week? And uh, what, what are we looking forward to? Wow, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I hope everyone has a great weekend. I think uh, get some rest would be my... <laughs> it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Get some rest and yeah, we'll, we'll come back strong next week. Yeah, hey, Monday's man. Pepe's, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, my Let's God. Go. Finally. Yes. Hey, Carson, Ada, drop us some alpha before we get out of here. What, do, what, do we, what, do you, what are you looking forward to um, over the next few weeks? Uh, I would say I'm looking forward to a new uh, group of collectors and art lovers getting a bit of exposure to some uh, really wonderful fake rares artists that they may not have heard of yet. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of these new mechanisms uh, and the way that we're doing things in the background uh, coming to fruition. There's a lot of really cool tools, you know, don't get me wrong. I love counterparty. I love Bitcoin. I love the way that we've done everything we've done, but I can't, I can't deny the fact that there are some really interesting tools that allow for uh, some really cool functionalities, um, being able to claim things, being able to participate. Um, so I'm excited to see uh, new people get to see new artists and people that we know get a chance to utilize these new tools and experience some other things. I think we all grow by experiencing and working in multiple places and being able to find the things that work the best all over the place and bring them home to wherever we call home. So I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, a lot of smiling faces and, and enjoyment in that in the coming weeks. And uh, I look forward to seeing everyone's new submissions for series one, as well as the things that we're going to get to see go into series two. Ooh, couldn't have said it any better myself. What a beautiful way to end the show, end the week. Everyone get rest. Look forward to next week. A lot of stuff's going to come. And uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks, guys.